Hi, I'm Michael. I'm one of the pastors at Victory, and I'm also the missions director. As a church, we are committed to answer God's call to reach every nation. I hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. I count it a privilege to be able to help um, deliver to us uh, the second week of this series. Um, if you know, you know. Uh, if you are not aware of that uh, hashtag, or if you know, you know. If, you don't, if you're not aware of it, it's okay. Um, it's okay. If you know, you know. If you don't, it's okay. Uh, maybe we can put another hashtag for that. But uh, it's just our way uh, of uh, acknowledging the need uh, f- uh, for us to continue to speak and, and, uh, uh, and uh, lay out before us, as people of victory, uh, what we're here for. Uh, besides the nations of the world, besides our heart to preach the gospel in every nation, to make disciples in different nations of the world, our heart's desire is to plant churches in every major uh, um, uh, cities and at, at the same time uh, go to the nearest university as much as we can so that we can reach out to the future leaders of our nation. And we believe that future leaders are found in the campuses, if they're found in the, in the prison uh, jails, then we would uh, go and reach out. But, you know, there are ministries who are reaching out to different uh, um, aspects and areas of society, but we feel a burden as a church, as a movement uh, to reach out to our students, whether high school or college, and not only here in the Philippines, but even in, in other nations of the world. I had a chance um, the last two weeks to visit five cities in South Africa. And we kicked off our, our visit there with a meeting with the students in, coming from UP, University of Pretoria. And, and, and uh, we had a, a topic there on why me, oh God? Why me, Lord? Something like that. So because of the sufferings and the pandemic, so a lot of young people are asking the question, why God? And so it was so convenient for them to pass the topic to a visitor from the Philippines. So uh, they, they gave me that topic. So we, had, uh, we, um, we uh, were able to uh, at least have a deep stick uh, experience of what's happening there. And at the tail end of our, of our 12-day ministry, we had a chance to minister in uh, the University of Stellenbosch. It's a town where it's almost like the U-Belt of South Africa, uh, where um, uh, the... The best of the best are there. And we have a church in the middle of all this, thriving. It's like you feel like you're in the university belt, but mostly white. <laughs> white people with a little bit of few blacks uh, in, the, in the congregation. It, that was quite an experience, uh, really. Just to show you that our heart's desire is not just uh, here in the Philippines, but even in other nations of the world. I am a product of a campus ministry. Students from the United States came here 38 years ago and uh, did the ministry near my university, in Adamson University. They were giving away flyers and uh, preaching the gospel in San Marcelino Street. And so I got to grab a hold of that invitation. So I was able to attend um, that conference, that seminar on rock music. And from there, I heard the gospel and um, came to... To know the Lord Jesus Christ came forward and uh, got, uh, got baptized the same night, filled with the Holy Ghost the same night. And that was quite an experience. And that was 30, 
eight years ago, I was 18 years old. 18 years old. And why, why did the missionaries uh, uh, do that? Why did they do that? Well, it's because of the burden uh, to reach out to the students. So they went nearby my university in Adamson University. And uh, I, I thank God for those uh, missionaries. Um, and so, and we've been doing campus mission, ministry ever since. So we decided, at least during the time of the year, uh, to take two uh, weeks off or two weeks uh, during the year to talk to, uh, to you and I about this burden that we have. And we know that when we talk about this, this is almost like uh, speaking to a choir. Uh, but it's okay. It's, it's always good to be reminded why, why we're here uh, uh, you, as, as, as a church called Victory and um, it, it's a bit unique because uh, it's usually when you talk about campus ministry, it is, um, um, uh, it is uh, usually covered by parachurches, different organizations trying to reach out to the students. But we personally uh, really uh, have that heart uh, for the campuses. And we've talked about uh, uh, this start, started last week coming from Psalm 78. Um, Psalm 78 is, uh, is just a, an amazing chapter. Um, I was, uh, I was uh, you know, I personally am enjoying Psalms. I've been going through the book of Psalms um, uh, lately. Uh, before that, I was going through um, the books of uh, the letters of Apostle Paul up to the end, tail end of, uh, of uh, the New Testament until I entered Revelation. Um, during pandemic, I was reading Revelation. I was, I was thinking, am I going to read Revelation during pandemic? You know, And then I realized uh, I, I wasn't only a Christian, but also a bishop. So I might not. So I realized, let me, let's go on. So we, I started reading Revelation as my devotion. And so I just, I, as, I was having a hard time myself going through Revelation. So I cheated a bit. I started checking on different uh, commentaries just to find out about the 666 and the seven horns and, the, and, the, and, and, and all these things. And I found out it's nothing but the Roman Empire. Could you imagine that? That'll be a next se sermon series probably that we can cover. But uh, after finishing Revelation, I asked God, Lord, please give me easier ones. So this time I went to Psalms. <laughs> So now, I, this morning, I was reading Psalm 118. Uh, I'm about to approach Psalm 119, which is going to be our series next week. Am I correct? Next week, we're going to be covering Psalm 119 next week. And I can't wait uh, to delve into Psalm 119, the longest, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the longest psalm in the entire uh, book of Psalms. So... Uh, longest chapter in the entire book of Psalms. So I'm just looking forward. And, but today we're going to look at this, Psalm 78. We've covered the first eight verses that just to show us in this chapter, it is showing us how we can propagate and pass our faith to the next generation. And, and it would require instruction in order for this to happen. We all know from the first few verses, especially in verse 7 and 8, um, uh, 5 and 6, we realize that, the, that, uh, the, that this instruction ought to be passed to the, not just to the next generation, but to the next and to the next, 
even covering around five generations. If there are 40 years in one generation, we're talking about 160 years of impact. The decision that you will make today, could you imagine if you are a single person and you are engaged? Let's just say you're engaged and both of you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ today. Could you imagine starting a family? Both are serving the Lord Jesus. And now you're going to have your children who will in turn receive that faith because of your influence. And they themselves will impact their own future children. That's grand, your grand, uh, grandchildren. And, your, and those children yet to be born. Could you imagine the impact that the decisions that you're making today will be felt like a ripple effect for the next 160 years? Why is that? Because of our hearts to, uh, the, and the readiness to instruct, say to instruct, to teach. Basically, discipleship is, 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 is that's, that's why we're talking about honoring God and make disciples. Because discipleship is not discipleship without teaching. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. We're talking about generational discipleship, not just geographical discipleship. And, and we're doing that the, way, the best way we can geographically to preach the gospel and make, and make disciples. Demographically, we're trying to do that to the kids, to the youth, to the singles, to the different aspects in society. But not only demographically, but generationally. And that's what we're committed to do. As a movement to help you parents, because at the end of the day, it is your job, not ours, to pass down the DNA and the faith. It would be great that this generation is trusting and hoping in God, but it would be better if the next generation are hoping and trusting in God as well. Amen? That's the dream. Can we just give a Lord a hand for that? That's the dream. But not only that we need this generation to be instructed, become an instructed generation, but they would be needing role models. That's why this entire chapter of 78 had something to do with the history of Israel. And you see the ebb and, and, and flow of, of their lives as a nation. Sometimes they would obey God, sometimes they would disobey Sometimes they would forget his work, so therefore move in unbelief. Sometimes they serve him. Sometimes they start worshiping other gods. Idolatry. It, it's, it, it, it's actually a reflection of even of our generation today. We forget his works. We, we, we move in unbelief when things are getting bad. And we embrace idolatry. And what is our idols today? Self, the greatest idol of our generation is self. And so how can we really be successfully past this DNA to the next? Instructions, discipleship, but at the same time setting a model. And we've seen this happen in the life of one of the most respected human beings in the Bible. I'm going to talk about his life today. And we're going to look at the late, uh, the few last verses of Psalm 78. And, and, and this is what it says in Psalm 78. 
If you have your Bibles with you, please turn it with me. Psalm 78. Starting in verse 67. Let's all stand as we read God's word together this evening. Psalm 78 verse 67. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. But he chose the tribe of Judah. Mount Zion which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens. Like the earth which he has founded forever. He chose David his servant and, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. His upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hands. This is the word of the Lord for us. Let us pray. Father, we pray today that we, that we may be found faithful steward of our generation, that we won't keep the blessings only to ourselves, but the ultimate blessings will be passed to the next generation and the generations to come. So grace, grace, we come before you today. Help us to embrace your plan generationally as well. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say, amen and amen. Go ahead and take your seats. There are three qualities of a God-formed servant leader that I'd like to share with us today. Three qualities of a God-formed servant leaders. And, and, and as I share this to us, so we're just going to go through the verses and let the verse speak to, our, to, our, to us today as we go through it. Starting verse 67, he says, He rejected the tent, the tent of Joseph. The first quality that I'm, I want to talk about is the sovereignty Chosen out of God's love is the sovereignty of God, but chosen out of God's love. We look at that in the text. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth which he has founded forever. We see here, God is rejecting, at the same time choosing. What was his basis for doing that? Well, he is God. So give it to him. When we get to heaven someday, then maybe we can ask. But the scripture is showing us that he rejects and he would choose. And if you look at this passage, who was he rejecting? Joseph. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're reading the book of Genesis, culture would dictate that the favorite and the person ought to be the one leading in the family apart from the father is the firstborn. Tradition would tell us that the firstborn ought to be the leader of the house besides the father. And so what happens is it's supposed to be Reuben. Reuben is the eldest of all, of all the children of Jacob. And yet we see here, he rejected the tent. Um, so we see here, it was, he, uh, he chose someone else, but not Reuben. So 
how many stories upon stories in Genesis we've seen how, you know, this is the norm. And yet, what really did happen is different. It was expected for Esau to receive the blessing. But we all know what happened. <laughs> Somebody got the blessings. And because of that, there was a war. And, and he did not choose the tent of Joseph. Now, let's talk about Joseph. In Genesis, the author of Genesis seemed to be playing favorites. If the author of Genesis is Moses, he was playing favorites and his bet was on Joseph. Why? Theologians are saying that the reason why his bet was on Joseph is because he had spent so many chapters in Genesis to talk about Joseph since he was a boy. Remember that? He was the favorite. And, and, and so, and Joseph, one of Joseph's children was actually Ephraim. And Ephraim's tribe produced so many respectable leaders in the land. So you could imagine like going to a military zone where everybody's, you know, uh, saluting this person. And without knowing, that person is actually came from the lineage of Ephraim. And so, and so the, the culture is dictating on Reuben. The author of Genesis' favorite is Joseph. But God was rejecting all of them. Why? Because he chose, in verse 68, he chose the tribe of Judah. Who was Judah? He wasn't a perfect guy. I mean, the guy committed a sin and he repented when he was, when he was uh, 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 rebuked about it. But what is special about Judah? We don't really know exactly, but the scripture will give us some hints. When Reuben uh, talked to his father, Jacob, because his, you know, his brother, Benjamin, was taken by the Pharaoh, the second in command in Egypt, Reuben says, Dad, you can take my other son if your son won't be uh, given away by the Pharaoh. You can take my other son. What a coward suggestion by a dad. Here's Judah. You know Judah is a stig. You know, for those of you uh, foreigner, a stig means uh, a stig. Anyways. <laughs> you know, there's something about Judah because this is Judah's proposal to Jacob. This is what he said. He said, Dad, just in case your son won't be given back to us, you can take my life. In replacement to your son, I'll put my life down. That's a leader right there. You, you, you could see that there's something about this man. Why he was chosen of God. But anyways, maybe there's a reason, but sometimes we don't really know. Uh, you know, it's just being manifested the way they lived out their lives. And so, it's just amazing. And he says, verse 67, he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. Aren't you wondering why the Lord has chosen you? Of all the people in the world, He has chosen you and you have become a recipient of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who among you are glad that you have become recipient of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that amazing? Now some of you are wondering, why did you love me, Lord? I don't know. We'll ask Him someday. When we get to heaven, why, 
Why did you choose me, Lord? Why did you show, why did you show mercy on me, O oh Lord? That's why in heaven, all mouths will be shut. We can't do anything but to worship him. Because he has chosen you and I. Amazing. He loves us. A leader is somebody who has been called of God because he loves us. Just because. Hindi dahil guwapo ka o mayaman ka. Kung guwapo ka, di okay. Pero hindi dahil doon. It is because he just loves us. Just, just the way it is. And, and sovereignty, it's out of his sovereignty, say sovereignty of God. Sovereignty. Out of his sovereignty that he has called and chosen us out of, his, out of his love. And having said that, the second, the second quality that we can see here is, is destiny. Called out, called from God's people. Called from God's people. He was chosen out of his love. Now we are called out of his uh, people Verse 70, he chose David, his servant. Say his servant. Some, some people, they don't know what leadership is, but leadership means to serve. There's no, uh, there's no shortcut about it. Leadership is not merely a position. It's a desire. It's a heart to serve. It's a servant. And we see here David, a servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. What is a sheepfold? The scripture has given us a bit of a glimpse of what a sheepfold is because we don't have sheep and flock here in the Philippines. But a sheepfold, at least from the text, would show us, it says this, from following nursing hues. Following nursing hues. Hues are the most vulnerable Sheep in the entire flock. And yet the Bible, we're talking about newly born sheep. And the Bible says that this person, David, the servant, was taking care and nursing the youths. The most vulnerable sheep in the flock, part of the flock. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a picture of compassion. A heart for the most vulnerable. How many leaders would we see men and we would see having a heart and compassion for, for the people? One verse that really showed me what compassion of a shepherd is all about is this verse from Amos. I'll show you a, a picture here in Amos. This is what it says. That says the Lord as the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs. Or a piece of an ear. So shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be rescued. With the corner of the couch and part of a bed. You know what he's talking about? A shepherd would rescue even if there are only two feet of a sheep sticking out from the mouth of a lion. That shepherd is going to go and take those two feet. And rescue that sheep no matter what. That's compassion. That's the heart of God for you and I. Even if it was just an ear sticking out from the mouth of a lion. God is going to come to the rescue. And he will rescue Israel. And he did it. And he rescued us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and I. Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? 
compassion. David took care of the nursing ewes. He came from the sheepfolds. You know, for me, sheepfolds, I was, uh, I was asked by our pastors and leaders from Mindanao. They're having, a, they're having a, a, a staff meeting in Mindanao. And some of them drove eight hours from Sambuanga to Cagayan de Oro. Some of them drove for an hour, three hours, some eight hours. Just to go there for a staff meeting. And they had several sessions and several speakers. And they asked me to get one session. And, and they asked me to talk about campus ministry. And you know what the verse I shared? This one. Psalm 78. 67 to 72. From the sheepfolds. You know why? Because when David volunteered himself to fight against Goliath... And when Saul asked him, what would qualify you to take on this giant? You know what he said? This is what he said. Look at this passage. This is how David responded. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You know what he's saying? It's almost like, why do you think you're coming to my company? Why are you working? Why do you want to work in my company? And then he would say, well, I graduated uh, cum laude from UP. You get my point? It's like he's saying, well, I delivered the sheep from the paw of lions and bears. Therefore, if God has given me the lions and the bear in the sheepfold, he can surely give me this Philistine in Yahweh's name. I probably said in Yahweh's name. And, and that was his qualification. Here's a young boy from the sheepfold who learned life when he was a teenager. Look at what happened in the next part of the verse. It says, He chose him from the sheepfolds, from the fo following the nursing use, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. We're talking about a teenager, now a shepherd of God's people, now leader in the land. We're talking about a king. Used to be the least among the brothers, a teenager, but in this verse became the shepherd of Jacob's people. Israel, his inheritance. Are you here with me? That's why we believe in the young people today. They are going to be the bosses and the sirs in the future. That's why we're reaching out to them today. We're helping the parents. That's why Pastor Romel and Pastor Mark are investing their, uh, their resources in making sure we have an amazing kids' facilities. Because church is not just about the adults. Church is for our children as well. And not only our children, but we're talking about our teenagers. And some of them have not gotten to know the Lord Jesus Christ so we're asking our campus missionaries, if you want to be in the ministry, why don't you be a campus missionary? We're going to send you to the campuses. And we're going to reach out to the students. And we have campus missionaries here in, in Victory's uh, Metro East. And uh, it's just amazing uh, the, the number of uh, campus missionaries we have here. I had uh, this uh, 3 o'clock uh, Diane who shared something. And I, I'm going to ask Brian in a while to come and join me. 
and, and give me reasons why we're going to reach the campus. But before he would come here, let me jump to the third quality of a, of a, of a God-formed uh, uh, servant leader. Not only because out of the sovereignty of God, so he has chosen out of his love, but he has called out of his people. And the third one is he has commissioned out of his work, for his work. That he has commissioned this leader for his work. And we're going to look at that in verse 37. And he says, uh, 30, uh, sorry, 71. But before we go there, I... Um, before I go to the uh, third one, I just remembered uh, Pastor uh, Rico. I, I, I texted him one time. He, we sent him uh, to be our church planter in Panama. Pastor Steve asked us, he says, if we're going to send a church planter to Panama, I want one of our senior pastors in Met Metro Manila to be sent. And so we have a short list. We have uh, Pastor Rico Ricafort and Pastor Rico Ricafort. I think he's the only one in the list. Uh, you can't put, you can't send Dennis C. in Panama. It doesn't sound right, C. Right? So, supposed to be Spanish. So, uh, we asked Pastor Rico if he, if he could pray about this. So, he went. So, one day I asked him, I said, oh, I remember a photo of the four of us. We were on a table. And would you please uh, send me that photo? And so, he sent me this photo. Uh, uh, and then, uh, apparently, so, that's him. That's me on the red you can see my chin. It's really designed for modeling, if you, remember, if you, if you notice. It's, it's really, you know, I was, uh, so I was in red and I, I got that chin. I don't have that now. But uh, so on my, on my left is Pastor Rico. He was a student during that time. And, uh, and, uh, and then the person on, 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 my, on my right is L.A., L.A. Mumar. And the person on, on, on his left, sorry, on his left, is, is his brother. And so, and so he sent me this photo, and apparently Pastor Rico sent this photo to Pastor Steve as well. Pastor Steve is in the U.S., he's the founder of our movement here. And so Pastor Steve gave a comment uh, regarding this photo. And this is what he said. Uh, if I can read the comment of Pastor Steve, he says, uh, who would you, who would... Uh, who would have guessed these four young men would one day be, left to right, apostle to Central America? That's Pastor Rico. When I grow up, I want to be like him. Then the second one, me, the running bishop of Manila. You all know I run, so no problem. You have already accepted it, right? And so the second one, the third one is basketball coach, former and future preacher. That's L.A., and then the last one, the kid standing with a Bible. He's holding on to a Bible. This, past, this is what Pastor Steve described him. Mayor and future president. Mayor and future president. Some of you, you don't know who that little kid is. That's Vico. That's the one when he won the election in Pasig. Monday, flag ceremony. The mom asked me to do the prayer before the flag ceremony. Could you imagine this kid grew up in kid church? While we are gathering here, they're having their kid church there. And having ministry when he was a student in Ateneo. How many know it's worth reaching one student at a time? 
It's worth reaching one student at a time. Rizal graduated from University of Santo Tomas. How many presidents have we gotten out from U-Belt? Rizal, obviously Rizal came from there. Quezon, Manuel L. Quezon from CU, UST, FEU, Corey, and Duterte from San Beda, yes. When we can go on and as far as Katipunan, we can probably go on and probably ask our senior pastor in Katipunan, do you, uh, do you remember where these presidents graduated from? Uh, Aquino graduated from uh, Ateneo. Um, I don't know about the rest, but I don't know if you're aware of it. But a lot of them got, came from there. And it's just amazing. From the sheepfold to shepherding God's people. That's amazing. The last one. We're going to end with this. Integrity. Integrity and skillfulness, but since I put only one word, integrity, commissioned for God's work. 72 says, with upright heart, he shepherded them, guided them with his skillful hands. In King James, he says, so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Could you imagine the leaders we're going to be producing? In order for us to pass the faith and hope in Christ to the next generation, they have to be instructed and discipled. Start with the parents. Start in our homes. And, and not only that, but needing, they need godly examples around them. And the Lord had given us a godly example in the life of David. And David is the ultimate, the best that the world can offer as far as a leader is concerned. But obviously, he wasn't perfect. There's only one ultimate leader that has perfect integrity of heart and perfect skillfulness of hands, no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our perfect leader. He is our perfect model because he exemplified it. David wasn't perfect, but Jesus is. Amen? And, and as I end, I would say that Servant leaders faithfully model a heart for the Lord and His work that inspires the next generation leaders to fulfill their God-ordained purpose for the land. Every student, I want you to remember this, that you're called of God to fulfill your God-ordained God, God purpose in the land. You are going to be the sirs and the moms in the future. You are going to be the CEO and the, and the owners of companies in the future. And we are cheering for you as a church, as pastors and leaders. And we want you to know how much, how much we love you and care for you. And, and cheering you on as you face the future. And, uh, and we're happy for you. And when, I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, thank you. Lord, I thank you for all the parents who are here today. Thank you, Lord, for all... Lord, the students who are here today, we are cheering for them, making sure, Lord God, that they are, Lord, uh, being affirmed, being confirmed tonight, being assured, being spoken, uh, being blessed tonight with words of encouragement that they don't have to fear failure. They don't have to fear the future. 
because they can trust in you. And Lord, we are grateful for our children. We're grateful, Lord, for our youth. There's truly hope for the future because, Lord, of, of these young men. And we lift up to you the parents who are here today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victory.org.ph to find a church, join a victory group, and give online. Thank you for partnering with us in discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.